It's time for another edition of the NHL Power Rankings voted on by the hosts of the Locked On NHL podcast. Who's too high? Who's too low? Well, Nick Zaras and I are going to go into that right after this. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to a special Saturday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, one of the hosts of the Locked On Penguins podcast, joined by my new co-host for the usually the Thursday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. This will be posted every week on Thursday going forward, but for today's episode, it's going to be posted on Saturday. It's Nick Zaras, one of the hosts of the Locked On Flames podcast. Really appreciate having you with me, man. I feel like we've been talking about doing something like this for a long time so i'm really glad that it's coming together now yeah i mean we've known each other for a long time we've both been doing hockey content for a long time it was natural we'd end up doing something like this so it's glad to i'm glad to be here yeah i'm glad to have you on board and of course thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day and today's episode is brought to you by jace medical empower yourself when you purchase a jace case providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. So, Nick, let's jump into the power rankings that were voted on by all of the hosts on the Locked On NHL Network, starting with the Atlantic. Usually I've been starting with the Metro, but we're just going to go not really in alphabetical order, but just, you know, east to west, I guess. We'll start with the Atlantic. Boston coming in at number one. No surprise there. I've been saying it on this show for the last couple of weeks. They continue to just prove me wrong because I predicted them to miss the playoffs this year with no Krejci and Bergeron, but Pasternak's been great. Marshan's been great. Allmark and Swayman have been unbelievable. They're, they continue to win even without the services of Charlie McAvoy. Jim Montgomery has done a really nice job with this team, and they continue to just kick all the butt this year. Yeah, absolutely. The The question I had was, would it be sustainable to try and win with defense and goaltending in today's NHL? And because mm-hmm. the Bruins are set up to do that in spite of the fact they don't have as much goal scoring as they have in the last couple of years. And they've gotten by. I mean, Olmark's been OK. I, those numbers last year were never going to be replicable just because it was such an extreme season. And Slayman's been outstanding. Slayman's got like a 950 save percentage. Of course, it's only November. But in short spurts, when you can get when you have a goalie capable of playing at that level, it just makes everybody else on your team play a lot better. I agree. Yeah. And there were a lot of talk over the offseason that Swayman or one of Swayman or Omar could be moved, but they decided to not move either of them. And they're reaping those rewards right now. That's for sure. After the Bruins, you have the Maple Leafs, Red Wings, then the Lightning. I got to say, having Toronto at number two, considering their struggles, They've lost six of the last 10 games. They're only six and five and two to start the year. They're nine points out of first. That's a little high for my liking. I know the Atlantic, there's a lot of teams jumbled up right now. Heck, the difference between the Red Wings in second and the Senators in last, it's only six points. So I understand there's going to be some interesting choices, but I think, Nick, in my opinion, the Leafs are a little too high for my liking. I would probably have both the Red Wings and the Lightning over them right now in my opinion. It's brand recognition. Everybody assumes the Leafs will be fine. Everybody thinks to themselves, they're working through stuff right now, but they won't play at this level the entire season. The bottom six has kind of been an absolute atrocity for the Leafs, frankly. Their goaltending situation is a real mess. They're down to their third goalie who doesn't have a ton of NHL experience. That fourth line is getting outscored something ridiculous. 
like 11 nothing at five on five through the first 15 games or so of the season they won't be this bad the entire season uh just they have too much talent frankly if they stayed this bad that would mean something dramatic happened that wasn't really in the that wasn't really in the calculus for them coming into the season. I would agree with you. I would definitely have Detroit ahead of them. I, I got a good look at Detroit this week when they played the Rangers. The Rangers got out to a big lead, but Detroit Detroit's got some firepower. It's not the most talented team. They don't have a ton of high end talent, but Detroit's in a good example of a team that's greater than the sum of its parts. When you put all those pieces together, they play pretty well. So Detroit, I would put ahead in Tampa Bay as well. I agree with you on that. Yeah, the Lightning continue to get by even without the services of Andre Vasilevsky. And I'm sure he's going to be coming back fairly soon anyway, and they'll be totally fine anyway. But the Red Wings, yeah, they had that really hot start. But as of late, they've lost a couple games in a row, six out of 10 overall. Kind of, and I wouldn't say they're falling back to earth, but they're obviously, I don't think they were as good as the way they started this year, in my opinion. And, you know, I think a team like the Panthers, I would also argue that they could be over a team like the Red Wings, Lightning, and the, and the Maple Leafs right now. They're seven two and one in their last ten games. They've won a couple games in a row. Seven four and one overall. They're getting closer. Nick to be getting back Ekblad and Montour, which will be massive for them. I mean, starting the season without your two best defensemen is very tough. But they've gotten the goaltending. They've gotten the scoring defensively. They've been passable to say the least. The Panthers, I think, are coming pretty soon here, and they should also be a bit higher on the Atlantic Power Rankings, in my opinion. I think them and Buffalo are both well positioned to get going here. Uh, Buffalo dealing with goaltending issues, which if you don't have a goalie in the NHL, it's really hard to get by. And they really kind of put Devin Levy in a difficult situation where they told him, okay, you're the starter. And they didn't really have a backup for him or a goalie that could ride in a tandem with him. And it's a lot to ask somebody in their first real prolonged NHL experience. Hey, you're going to come into the season. You're going to start 55, 60 games for us this year and just cold have to figure it out. And he got dinged up early in the season. I think Buffalo and Florida both will have opportunities to move up at various points, but I agree with you. I think Florida has a good shot of really kind of getting into that conversation with Boston and Toronto for one of the three division spots, as opposed to a wild card. Yeah. This division has been very competitive this year. And you know, everyone has the argument of, Oh, which division is the best. You have the Metro, you have the Pacific, which is also very good. The Atlantic, it's right up there as well with a lot of bona fide playoff teams to potential teams that could really push for them this year. Outside of the teams we've talked about, you have Buffalo at number six, who we did just discuss a little bit. They're going to be in Pittsburgh on Saturday. Really excited to see them come here. I mean, Tage Thompson is electric. And I think for Levi, I, I agree with you overall, Nikki. Last year, started those last few games, looked good, but he's never had a workload like this before. So I'll be curious to see how he does overall this season. And then to end the Atlantic, you have Montreal at number seven, Ottawa at number eight. Man, the Senators are a mess right now, man. You have Brady Kachuk really just talking to the media, really defending DJ Smith. And they have that big win, and then they follow that up with a complete dud against the Vancouver Canucks. A lot of pressure on in Ottawa right now. I don't know if missing the playoffs is an option for this organization, considering what they did over the offseason. They just fired Pierre Dorian, and they're obviously looking for a general manager. But things have not been easy there throughout this season. And they may continue to get harder with how good this division is. Ottawa's put themselves in a difficult bind where they've put a lot of resources and assets into trying to be competitive without really ever having their existing group prove to them that they were ready to be competitive. I I understand what they were trying to do and adding the pieces they've added over the last year and a half or so. Guys like Giroux, 
guys like Tarasenko, uh, Jacob Chikrin. I understand what they're trying to do, bringing those guys into the organization. But your existing group hadn't shown any real ability beyond putting up counting stats. It's great that Giroux scored 35 goals last year, that Kachuk and Stutzla are going to be 980 to 100 point guys their entire careers. But it's one thing to put up counting stats on a bad team versus putting up counting stats on a good team. And Ottawa's yet to show the ability that they're actually a good team. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you overall on that. But, you know, you look at this division, I mean, there, there's a chance that we could see, I mean, at least four teams from this division make the playoffs, potentially, you know, five if the Metro, we'll, we'll have to see. We're going to get to the Metro in just a second, but this playoff race is going to be pretty nuts uh, towards the end of the season. Getting to the Metro now, no surprise, Nick, before we head to break, the Rangers at number one, they have been a completely different team this year under Peter LaViolette. He's really injected a lot of life i think into that team into the fan base they're doing this without the services of igor shesterkin right now one of the best goaltenders on the planet without jonathan quick who's their backup they just won a game with louis domingo of course a former penguins goalie adam fox is out right now philip Heedle. nick how do the rangers continue to get these results despite all these injuries they're playing really good defense they're not scoring a lot they're not driving play at five on five but they're not really conceding anything which is really working to them and this is the polar opposite of what the rangers have been the last couple years where it's they don't do anything offensively or defensively at five on five survive on goaltending and special teams and now they're playing really good team defense they're upper i want to say they're 14th or better and pretty much all the right defensive statistics and they're getting pretty solid goaltending like Shesterkin was playing fine, but he's got another level to get to. And you're banking on the assumption that eventually, in conjunction with better defense and playing less defense, the offensive stuff will come at five on five. And the power play is still as good as it was the last couple of years. So everything's kind of lined up for them where they're playing well right now, but they very clearly still have another level they can get to. Yeah, it's usually interesting because when I look at Peter Laviolette coach teams, he doesn't usually have a lot of offense when it comes to his teams in the past, whether it's Nashville, whether it's Washington, Philadelphia, you name it. So the fact that they're getting this type of offense and they're playing also really good defense, it's a testament to how much they have bought into his system so far to start the season. And again, they look like a completely different team outside of the Rangers at number one. You have the Devils and the Hurricanes rounding up that top three. And I expected the Metro to look like this to start the season and throughout the season, I do think these are the three best teams in the Metro. The Devils, they're battling the big Jack Hughes injury right now. Thankfully, Nick, it's not as bad as originally feared. I, I was fearing that he was going to have to miss like months or something like that, but he's week to week right now. And thank God, because I think he's one of the best players in the league. The Devils, they've won six of their last 10 games, seven and four and one overall. The Hurricanes, they've won two in a row, eight and five overall. The Hurricanes have finally woken up. They started off the season a bit slowly. They were giving up a lot of goals, which is not usually what you see from a Rod Brindamore coach team. They're, they're very deep defensively, but they got Svechnikov back. Ajo's playing well. They're getting good goaltending, and now they're finally playing that stingy style that you know the Hurricanes can play. No surprise that they've figured some things out, and then the Devils, I'm not surprised that they're up there either. No, the Devils, will, if the Devils can continue to get just like adequate goaltending, they should be fine. They drive possession pretty well. Their defense is... Still kind of getting acclimated because you remember, you know, you lose Graves and you lost um, Damon Severson. So anytime you're re you're integrating two defensemen into your team, it's going to take a little while for that group to get comfortable. And as for the Hurricanes, I saw them play in person on Saturday against the Islanders last weekend. They slept walk through 40 minutes and they came out in the third period and they just took the game over. Uh, 
I don't know if that's kind of just a veteran team that's kind of comfortable with what they are and feel like they're able to turn it on and off. But like you were saying, it's been a little sloppy. It's been a little clunky. It hasn't been a very Rod and Brindamore style start to their season. This is one of the most disciplined, high energy, a lot of a lot of effort type play. And they kind of been sleepwalking. But as you said, it's getting there. They're dealing with a weird goaltending situation where they brought in Yaro Halak. So they've got him in the mix now, in addition to um, Antiranta. So it, we'll see what goes on with Carolina. But I wouldn't be surprised if they figure it out. But this. We expected these three to be the top three in the division. It was really just a matter of what order they were going to finish in. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny. Before the season, I had Carolina one, New Jersey two, Rangers three. You can flip flop them any way you want. This is going to be a pretty tight division with those top three throughout the rest of the season. And then the rest of the division, I feel like it's just a lot of mid. The Islanders, I don't think are that good. They've been really struggling as of late. They're taking a lot of bad penalties. They're not getting elite goaltending from Ilya Sorokin. Just a very odd team right now. Then you have the Capitals. They figured it out at least a little bit, but I don't. I still don't think they're that good. Columbus being at number six is a little weird considering they're last in the Metro right now and they've been playing really bad as of late. They've lost seven of the last seven games, three in a row, four and six and three overall. Johnny Goudreau hasn't scored since Nam this year, continuing to, I guess, puzzle me as to why he even signed there if the Blue Jackets are going to be this bad still. And I know people were a bit, sleeping on the Blue Jackets this year, but I just didn't really see it with them. After then, you have the Penguins at number seven, Flyers at eight. I'm fine with the Flyers at number eight just because they haven't been good lately, but I would move up the Penguins at least one more spot in the Metro for these power rankings. They've won three in a row. They just swept the California road trip for the first time since the 96-97 season. They're playing better hockey than at least two of the teams in the division right now, but overall, you look at the rest of this division, it's just a lot of mid, I think. The Islanders are trying to win every game two to one. When I texted you last night, I compared them to Iowa football. That's effectively the only way they can win is if they only score two goals and the other team only scores one. They can't score a lot. Their power play is very mediocre, bordering on bad. At even strength, they just don't have a lot of goal scorers. Like they're all their best players are pretty much facilitators, which makes it a really crowded room when everybody's passing and no one wants to take a shot. But I, I think Pittsburgh after the three-game winning streak, probably bounces up to fifth, maybe even fourth, because the Islanders have lost a couple games in a row here. But Pittsburgh looked pretty good last night against the Kings. They're kind of starting to put it together. And there was always going to be an acclimation process, kind of figuring out what they wanted to look like, especially adding somebody of the caliber of Eric Carlson to that team, which they had to kind of... That was never going to be as smooth as it seemed on paper. But yeah, Columbus and Philadelphia, they'll end up seventh and eighth. Well, Washington is decent enough where they might be able to get into that 85 to 90 point range where they're on the outside looking in, but they at least feel like they had a respectable season of the teams other than the top three we discussed. I feel like the only candidates here for wild cards are the Islanders and the Penguins. And I think the Penguins are better than the Islanders, frankly, and the Islanders will really only go as far as Sorokin goes. And right now, Sorokin's just not playing like an elite goalie. He's been fine, but when your team needs to win every game two to one or three to two you need your goalie to be 920 930 and he just isn't doing that right now right i mean again i still think he's a top three goalie in the league but he's just not playing at that level right now and if he can find that level i do think the Islanders can make the playoffs but as long as he continues to play at the level he's at right now and they are just not getting the scoring i'm just not really sure if they're going to make the playoffs at this point but that'll do it for this first segment coming up in the second segment Nick and I are going to get into the Central Division power rankings, who's too high, who's too low, plus who could change by next week. 
Before we get to that, though, we got to tell you all about Parkview Advance. As a business owner, you realize there are times when receivables might fall behind, but that doesn't mean you need to fall behind on vendor payments, payroll, or rent. For more than 25 years, Parkview Advance has helped businesses secure working capital from 5000 to $1.5 million. Parkview Advance can approve your working capital in as little as 24 hours. It's a much easier process than you might imagine. We invite the many entrepreneurs that are locked on NHL fans to learn more by calling us at 203-675-0071 or go to parkviewadvance.com. If your business needs working capital, call Parkview Advance today. Parkview Advance, helping businesses with their working capital. Go to parkviewadvance.com or one more time, call 203-675-0071. And we still got to tell you all about Collective. If you're running a business of one, you're wearing many hats in your day-to-day. With Collective, bookkeeping and accounting don't need to be one of them. You can start saving thousands of dollars and hours of your time by letting Collective handle your business's paperwork. They say if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. But as a freelancer, there's always the dreaded paperwork that comes with it. With Collective, you can focus on your business of one while letting them focus on your paperwork. Collective is the number one financial solution for freelancers, contractors, and self-employed entrepreneurs that lets you focus on your passion, not your paperwork. Join the thousands of solo entrepreneurs who have saved an average of $10,000 per year on taxes with their structure. Right now, Collective is offering a one-month free and no onboarding fee when you go to collective.com slash locked on NHL and tell them locked on NHL sent you. That's a $550 value for free when you go to collective.com slash locked on NHL and tell them locked on NHL sent you. That's collective.com slash locked on NHL and tell them locked on NHL sent you. All right, we're back here on this. Very special Saturday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, joined by my new co-host, Nick Zaras. Again, for those that missed it, we will have these posted every Thursday moving forward. But for this one, it's a special Saturday one. But we'll get to the central now. And starting things off, Colorado and Dallas, the top two spots. Man, those two teams have been good this year. I mean, Colorado came out like a house on fire, but they struggled a little bit. As of late, they're eight and four. They've lost one in a row. Dallas has actually overtaken them for the top spot in the Central, eight and three and one overall for the Stars. It's going to be, I think, between these two teams for the Central Division at the end of the season. Dallas, I'll keep saying on this show, they have that perfect blend of young players and the veterans. And oh, yeah, they have Miro Haskin on the back end, who I think is a top five to six defenseman on the planet. And they have Jake Ottinger and Ned, who's also insane. Colorado, they have all the high-end talent. They're continuing to do this with, without Gabriel Landeskog, which is crazy. But they also have the depth. I really like some of the moves that the Az made over the offseason, like Johansson only at $4 million. But overall, these two teams deserve to be at the top of the Central Division. And it's going to be a lot of fun seeing them duke it out for the top spot throughout the season. Completely agree. I think Dallas has a real argument of being the best team on paper in the entire league. Uh, the only real question mark I had for them was were they going to still stubbornly play Ryan Suter 21, 22 minutes a game instead of bumping his role a little bit down, getting a little bit better results out of him. And Thomas Harley's taken a nice step for them this season. Ottinger still hasn't gotten to the level he's capable of yet, but he's playing pretty well to begin with, which is a good start. Colorado's interesting to me in the fact that their bottom six is pretty bad. They're playing Jack Johnson every night and they're still playing pretty well. Like Jack Johnson actually has pretty good underlying numbers, which is a testament to just how good that team is playing right now because Jack Johnson hasn't been a functional hockey player in five to six years. But 
they're in pretty good. They're both in pretty good situations coming into the year. I thought Dallas had a little bit more depth, but Colorado's high end players were better than Dallas's best players. So it was really kind of an argument if you prefer quality or quantity. And I think I still lean Dallas being better because I think Ottinger is better than Georgiev. And that's no disrespect to Georgiev, who's a pretty good goalie in his own respect, but had a really nice season last year in Colorado. But I think Dallas is just little, little bit better. It's really close. You can make an argument for either one, but I just want to see these two teams duke it out in the seven game series. I think it would yeah. be a ton of fun. You get to the rest of this division. The Jets have played pretty well for the most part this season. Connor Hellebuck's been very good as usual. Kyle Connor continues to be great for the Jets. Coming into the season, I wasn't high on Winnipeg. I'm like, mm, they made some changes, but they didn't go scorched earth like I think a lot of us expect them to. And because of that, you're seeing them you know, in the playoff spot right now when you look at the standings overall. I do think this team can and potentially will get into the playoffs. I just don't think they have what it takes to go on a deep run unless Connor Hellebuck is, I don't know, 938, 940, and they get a lot of scoring from Kyle Connor, Ehlers, and a few of these other guys. But they deserve to be at that number three spot for these power rankings after them. You have the Minnesota wild. The wild have been so weird this year, man. They've lost seven of the last 10, five and six and two. They're behind Arizona, St. Louis and Winnipeg right now. I wouldn't have Minnesota at that number four spot. They just haven't been as consistent as I think a lot of us expected them to be. I mean, I thought they were going to be the third best team in the central this year, but they've had been anything but that to say the least. It's very, odd that they continue to struggle like this. I think one of the biggest reasons for that, though, Nick, is Philip Gustafson just hasn't been at the level we saw from last year, and I think that's really hurting them right now. Yeah, anytime you don't have one of the 5'10 elite goalies in the league, you basically have no expectation what you're going to get year to year. Gustafson was a serviceable starter for them last year. You served Marc-Andre Fleury as the starter about the midway point of last year, and neither him nor Fleury has been all that good this season. It's It's been a real slog for them. You saw them make some weird moves in the last few days. They traded Kalen Addison to the Sharks for no real reason and then brought in Zach Bogosian from Tampa Bay for no real reason. So they they clearly think it's something defensively as opposed to offensively. Though The Wilds have probably more upside than the Jets just because they have a little bit more talent. But based, I, I think the Wild being fourth is more of a projection of what people expect them to be as opposed to what they currently are at the moment. I think that's fair because, I mean, heading into the season, I expected them to be a bona fide playoff team out of this division, but they're just not at that level right now. You go through the rest of this division here, Arizona 5, St. Louis 6, Nashville 7, Chicago 8. I'm fine with the Blackhawks being at 8, even though Connor Bedard just had a really great game against the Lightning the other night, kind of four-point game. Nashville, though, man, Nick, they've just been bad this year, and UC Soros hasn't been able to save them, at least just yet. They've lost six of the last 10, minus five goal differential, lost two in a row. This was always a weird team to me heading into the year. Again, UC Soros, top five goalie. You have Philip Forsberg, who had a great start to the year, but I'm just not really sure what the full plan is down in Nashville. I think they're going to have to sell at the deadline, but the moves that Barry Trotz made over the offseason, it seemed like he was still trying to win this year with Soros and company, but it just hasn't gone according to plan, and they just haven't been good this year. I would still move the Blues up at least maybe a little bit. They've actually turned things around at least a little bit lately, 6-5-1. and five and one. They, they won their last game, only three points out of third place right now. Arizona's been at least decent this year, 6-6-1. Six and six and one. They aren't nearly as bad as they were last year, but if you're asking me for the rest of these rankings, I would move, I would, Nashville, Chicago, I guess you can maybe interchange them, but I would move St. Louis up at least 
one spot here, maybe even to number four without their playing. I understand the the urge to do that. The one thing I'll point out about the Blues is that they've yet to score a power play goal at home. I was reading a, a Blues column earlier this year. They're 0 for 31 in home games on the power play. Their power play is non-functional. Uh, the Kevin Hayes experiment isn't really working for them. I didn't think he would. I didn't think he would do a whole lot, but I thought it would take more than like 10 games for him to get bumped down to the fourth line. They're fine. Uh, as for Nashville, I, I think it's very clear. Barry Trotz's plan was stopgap year. Let's not be atrocious. Let's be respectable. Let's try and sell some tickets and whatever happens, happens. We still have a good goalie. We still have Roman Yossi. We still have Philip Forsberg. We've got some identifiable stars. Our fan base is our fan base will show up as long as we're competitive. Let's just try and be competitive and whatever happens, happens. But yeah, I agree with you. There isn't really a, there isn't really a big long-term plan going on in Nashville. Yeah, they're kind of stuck in like that weird middle where it's like they're not really trying to win, but they're also not trying to tank. And I don't when I think of sports teams as a, as a whole, that's like the worst place you want to be, in my opinion. But I think that will do it for the second segment coming up to end the show. Nick and I are going to get into the Pacific Division. Talk about that before we end the show. And that's coming up right after this. Before we get to that, though, we got to tell you all about the Jace case. We spend a lot of time talking together, you and I. We get fired up together on wins and losses who starts and who sits. I'm thankful for that connection we have. But today, I want our chat to be at least a little more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize what that means? Bring on extended travel. Bring on the next natural disaster or supply chain issue. You are covered. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, or all these other prescriptions. And this is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code locked on at checkout for a discount as well. If you or someone you love would, would like to get some peace of mind by having a one year supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember, you have to use promo code locked on for $20 off your purchase. All right, we're back here on this very special Saturday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. That's Nick Serraris of Locked on Flames. So let's wrap up here with the Pacific Division. Coming in at number one and number two, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Vancouver Canucks. I am so happy that my Vancouver Canucks for the playoffs take. Looks like it's aging beautifully. I was very high on this team heading into the year. People are finally realizing just how good Elias Pettersson is. JT Miller has been good. Thatcher Demko has been a beast in net. And people are finally starting to realize just how great Quinn Hughes is as well. He's been playing at this level throughout his tenure in Vancouver. And Rick Talkett has those guys playing at a very high level. Vegas as well, Nick, they've been unreal. 11-2-1, and two and one. they have lost a couple games in a row, but there's really been no Stanley Cup hangover right there. And it's funny, you look at the standings, 10-2-1 from the Canucks, but they're still not in first place, even though they've won five in a row. After them, you have the Kings, 8-2-3. and, two and three. They're looking like a contender this year as well. No surprise when I look at that top three. All three of those teams have been electric start of the season. Yeah, Vegas came out of the gate insanely hot. N no real drop off, even swapping out Riley Smith for Ivan Barbershev in that role in the top six. No real drop off from William Carlson and his production. Marsha Show is still playing well. Jack Eichel's added some really good defense to his game. He's been killing penalties for them this year. First time he's done that. And the goaltending situation hasn't really been an issue for them. Hill and Thompson have been a fine tandem. Vancouver's fascinating. They added Philip Roenick, so they gave Quinn Hughes a real defensive partner to play with that isn't just tall. 
That was really the only reason Tyler Myers was playing first pair minutes with them. Demko, as you said, has been insane. The only real question is when the regression does come, how hard is it going to hit them? Because they're them and Vegas are both playing at an insane rate in terms of save and shooting percentage. So other than that, neither of these teams is going to play at an 800 point percentage. That just that doesn't happen in the NHL. It's just a matter of how hard the regression bug comes for both of them at whatever point. And yeah, LA's LA is the best of the rest. They're a talented team. They've got a decent group. Their goaltending situation hasn't been as much of an issue for them as I thought it might be coming into the season with three guys, none of whom inspired a whole lot of confidence, but they've been fine. Right. I mean, Copley, I think, has been all right to start the season. Cam Talbot has actually been off to a really good start, but the biggest thing for me with him is can he actually continue this? Because he's been a pretty inconsistent goalie throughout his career. After those three teams, though, and I think they're going to be bona fide playoff teams this year, obviously. You have the Ducks coming in at number four. I can't lie, Nick. I've been really surprised by the Ducks this year. I knew they weren't going to be nearly as bad as they were last year, but seven and five through the first 12 games, that's kind of best case scenario, I would say, for Ducks fans. Mason McTavish has been great. Frank Vertrano is scoring at an absurd rate to start this season. That's not going to keep up just because it's going to re- his shooting percentage is going to regress to the mean, but he's still off to a hell of a start. Trevor Zegers has been good, but not nearly as good as maybe some of us expect him to be. Ryan Strom has been a really strong playmaker. The Ducks are playing some really good hockey right now. And it's nice to see considering how rough these last few years have been. for them. That group believes in their coach. Uh, their coach got ejected a couple of weeks ago, and that really fired them up in that game yeah. and kind of got them back in it. That's a young group that's not really... That's not really ready to compete yet, but they're showing signs of life. They're showing progress, which is what you want from as a fan of a team that's going through a rebuild. The, if the Ducks maintain and finish somewhere in the mid-80s in standings points, that's a real good step in the right direction that next year, hey, we're going to spend some more money, we're going to add some pieces to this team, and we'll be a playoff team next year. That, that really is that's an achievable goal for them going forward the rest of the way. They don't need to make the playoffs this year, but continue showing these signs of life. It, it's really been, it's been fun to watch, frankly. The Ducks are a pretty entertaining team. They are. They actually play a pretty entertaining brand of hockey. And if they can even just stay in the race for a good bit this year, I think that will really get the fans more confident heading into next year. The rest of this division, though, it's a lot of mid to just flat out bad. I mean, you got the Seattle Kraken, who, and I've said this on the show the last couple of weeks, Nick, you know, five, six, and three. They've won five of the last 10 games. I think the Kraken, they're not nearly as bad as they were during their first year, but they're not nearly as good as they were last year. And I think you're seeing that this year, right? Some, it's kind of in the middle. And they just haven't figured things out just yet. Number five on the, these rankings are pretty fine, to say the least for me. You have the Calgary Flames at six. I mean, you've been talking about it with Jess on your show. They've been a mess this year, four and seven and one. And then, of course, you have the Edmonton Oilers and the San Jose Sharks, which have just been utter embarrassments this year. We all know how bad the Sharks have been, though they have won two in a row, but the Oilers, man, woof. I mean... I, I don't think anyone expected them to be this bad. Connor McDavid is obviously not at 100% right now, but Jack Campbell, Stuart Skinner, who no matter who has been in net for the Oilers, it's been a tire fire for them. And I don't know how Ken Holland makes it through the weekend. I don't know how Jay Woodcroft makes it through the weekend if this doesn't start turning around, but it is a bad time in Oilers country right now. But these overall, these final four teams, just not good enough to start this season. 
No, Seattle, like like you said, Seattle probably wasn't as good as they were last year. Last year represented their best case scenario, but frankly, they weren't as bad as they were in their inaugural season. I mean, they had like 880 goaltending in their inaugural season. All they needed yeah. was slightly. They didn't even need league average. They just needed bad as opposed to abominable goaltending, and they had a really big improvement last year. I struggled to see that goaltending situation just getting better by default. Uh, they might not be as bad as they've been to start the season, but they I think they probably have the most room of these bottom four teams to play better. And I know I say that including Edmonton just because the vibes are bad. And when you're a team that had high expectations, the vibes are bad. It's very easy for your season to kind of spiral, go out of control. I know I read before we jumped on that Woodcroft would be safe till at least after this road trip. But if they don't turn it around soon, they'll make the coach the sacrificial lamb as just kind of a quick solution, shot in the arm, try and do anything to get this going. But the Oilers are terrible defensively. They concede a lot. They make their goalies' life really difficult. And when you're dealing with goalies who kind of are fragile, who don't have the most confidence in themselves, that's a really hard environment to play goaltender in when you're constantly under siege the way Skinner and um, Jack Campbell have been this year. Right. I, I totally agree with you on that. They they do need to be a bit better defensively. I could see them honestly getting a defenseman via trade at some point. Just try to kickstart things. And if they want to get a goalie to help out Stuart Skinner, I think that would also be big as well. And of course, the Sharks, 0-10-1, historically bad start. But hey, they have won a couple games in a row here. They beat the Flyers and the Oilers, but that team is obviously just tanking at this point. But I think that'll do it for this special Saturday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Nick and I will be back next Thursday to discuss the next round of power rankings, who moved up, who went down, what's going to change going forward. Hope you all tune in for that one. But again, thank you all so much for tuning into this one. Really appreciate it. We'll be back with another episode for you all next Thursday.